people want to feel like they're doing a good job. That's like at the end of the day, people want to feel like I'm contributing to the company. I'm doing positive work that's moving the company forward. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest again is Alex Moore. We're going to continue the conversation from yesterday because we're talking through some things that it's difficult to figure out at running a business. You're not born knowing these things. You, you don't learn these things in high school, right? You know, how do you find people? How do you hire people? How do you teach them? How do you set clear objectives or outcomes or metrics, you know, or, or tracking? And, and how, how do you do those things, right? What should a meeting cadence look like? Most people cringe when you think about meetings, Right. But when they're, they're a necessity, right, for our business, we have to be able to communicate with our team members and as a team. Uh, and so Alex today is going to help us to, you know, continue that conversation and learn how she is doing this so well. So I, I want to speak into a little bit, maybe your team and, you know, how you are creating the clear objectives for like individuals, right? Uh, you know, individual people and, and those outcomes and even, you know, even the metrics, how you're really gauging maybe performance or what that looks like. Uh, how do you do that on an individual basis and figure that out? Because it can be daunting, right? I mean, it can be a lot to figure out, you know, because when, when you first start, it's like, okay, there's, there's just me or, or eventually there's me and one other person. We're kind of doing everything, right? Well, then we bring somebody in and they, we want them to focus on this one thing, but then pretty quickly, they're doing lots of other things too, right? Uh, you know, and that happens for a few first hires, maybe. But then it, I feel like steam, you know, even picked up for us more we, when we can say, you know what, we're hiring this person for this role. Like this is what they're really good at. That's where they're going to be focused. You know, and it's even easier to like gauge these things, right? And have those clear objectives at that point. But there's a transition there, right? Uh, you know, uh, but how did you do that? How did you lay out clear objectives and maybe describe your team a little bit? Yeah. So currently I have two staff members. I have a full-time analyst and a full-time EA, and then I have interns as well, um, which is pros and cons with that too. I think uh, we can touch on that more. I find that when you have someone who you're employing, it's very different than you yourself as founder or the starter of your business. So like you're the go-getter, you're the person who just figures it out. And I think that it's important to realize that you your team, you want to create that owner mentality, but you have to give them a lot of guidance and, and guardrails and say, Hey, this is the role that you have. These are the things that we want you to do well at. Cause people want to feel like they're doing a good job. That's like, at the end of the day, people want to feel like I'm contributing to the company. I'm doing positive work. That's moving the company forward. So we focus on for each person, these are your daily objectives and these are the weekly objectives. And we have goals for each person for, did we hit those? So as a company, we want to underwrite X amount of deals in a, in a week that meet our eligibility criteria. So the reason we track that is because if we're not getting enough good eligible deals into our pipeline, we want to know that. So if we're dropping off on eligibility criteria, Hey, do we need to widen the net? Do we need to get some more relationships going. Um, and we also track how many LOIs we submit a week as well. Each person's involved in that deal flow process. So it's really a team effort. Hey, did we hit that number by the end of the week? Additionally, we track our outreaches to investors into other capital providers. And are we maintaining those relationships? So those are things that we you need to have capital in order to buy these assets. So tracking that has been really helpful for our team too. So we do that weekly. We also do monthly reviews. Hey, did we meet our objectives for the month? Where are things that were obstacles for us? We follow like obstacles and overcoming those. And then what are our next steps for the next month? And I think that's really helpful for people because they're part of that planning. And then they're part of that accountability monthly. It does take time and effort. I think that's the other thing is like really as the owner saying it's worth my time and it is worth my employee's time to be part of this together because otherwise 
we're each doing our own thing. Um, so making being intentional about that is really important. And then finding the people who are motivated. That's really where the internship comes in is a, I want folks who are excited and fired up and that this is a really big opportunity for them to really learn how to acquire large assets in, in multifamily. And I'm happy to talk about any other asset class too. If they find that their fire is lit on a different asset class, I probably know an operator in that. And I'm happy to get them set up on that. So I think that's really, interns can be a really great tool for, for companies to use too. Um, just finding people who are motivated and who are excited is a really big first step. We have in our interview process, it's like three pronged um, so that we can really, by the time that someone makes it through, we're pretty confident that this is going to be a good person to work with. That's intrigued me a little bit. I, I wasn't planning to go there, but I've got to ask you, okay, explain that three-prong hiring process a little bit. I've talked about hiring a lot on the show. I know the listeners have heard me talk about it and, and we try to also have a very detailed approach and finding that motivated individual. It's a good culture fit, right? And an expert in their position, all those things. What's that three-prong approach? Uh, elaborate there a little bit. So for each role, we have a screener. So we have an initial, hey, thank you for being interested. We'd love to know X, Y, and Z questions from you. That weeds out a lot of people. If they're not willing to answer your first set of questions. Great. Awesome. I'm glad we got that out of the way. We didn't waste anybody's time. After that, then I usually do a first round interview and keep that short. So I keep it to 15, 20 minutes. Can they carry a good conversation? Do they have good questions? Do they seem like they're really engaged? If they make it past that one, then we do an assessment. So we do more of a project, like a homework project. And I tell everybody, don't do this like intensely. I don't want you to be spending hours on this. I really want this to be a first pass one to two hours max. Listen, all the questions you have. I just want to see how you think so that we know, are you a critical thinker? Are you taking it to the next level? Did you make it past the first couple of hurdles of the assessment to get to a level that seems like reasonable for a couple of hours of work? And then we'll have a second interview. And so um, after that point, then we'll do an offer extension, review that together. We keep our offers really really to the point, Hey, it's at will, you know, we would love to have you on board. These are the expectations for the role. And, um, these are the goals we have for you. Um, and we also want people to write down goals that they have in that contract. So like, what do they hope out of working for with us? Um, what do they hope to get out of, out of that? Because I think really that's something that a lot of times people don't ask is what are the things you would like to get out of this? Because it's a reciprocal relationship. That's awesome. I wanted to ask you the homework project. How do you do that? I'm sorry. I assume it's based on the role you're hiring for but maybe give us an example. So for our EA, we would do, um, they have a social media component. So I would say like sample of work done for that, or we'd like you to research this topic and write a brief about it. Cause we do some, some topical things for our newsletters. So just getting an idea of writing style and ability to do some research for our analyst role. You know, we've done a few different tests on that and it, I go back and forth on which one is the most effective, but I generally ask for a sample of anything they've underwritten before. And then I give them a sample property. So just financials. I just rent roll T12. That's all you get. And then I give you our tool. What I have loved seeing in the most recent applicants that we've gotten is that people are like, actually, I built my own underwriting tool. And I'm like, great. I love the initiative that you took in, in doing that. Like, I think that's amazing. So, but giving them the raw data because a lot of folks apply for analyst roles, but they don't know how to underwrite. And I think I just don't have bandwidth right now to do the full Monty. I, I We do really intensive trainings once you're on board, even if you are good at underwriting writing already. You do at least three full underwrites um, that we walk through every step of the way and do feedback every day. 
So it's like a 20 minute meeting every day so that we, we can get detailed on that because we want you to feel fully competent on underwriting so that we aren't missing anything because that could be a real big oops. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah, I love that they built their own model. Man, it really shows how much they are going to know about that, the detail of that model, right? It's so easily broken. So they need to know every detail. I just appreciate the examples too. I love those just practical things that, that the listener could take right now as well. You mentioned using interns. We won't spend a ton of time here, but how do you find them? And has that been beneficial? Yeah, that's a great question. So interns, I have a couple of folks who will do social media posts for their interns. What I've actually found is that I have enjoyed working with folks who are already in school for something. So undergraduate or graduate programs and sourcing them for summer internships, because these are folks that are exploring where they're going to go in their career. They have an understanding of some of the workforce, but they're, they're really had the energy. I mean, they're in their twenties, which I love. Like, I'm like, Hey, you've, you know, you stay up until midnight anyways. And that's like normal for you. For me, if I'm up to midnight, I'm, you know, really struggling to stay up. So I found that like working with local schools and, uh, or in even my own hometown, like they have a few internship programs and sourcing candidates from that. So I get in touch with the professors or I've got a few like leads and then I just get into their applicant pool and, um, start reaching out to them and say, Hey, this is the internship we have available. We'd be interested in hearing from you if you're interested in, in learning more. Um, um, and we've had pretty good response rates from that. And so we'll just pump those emails out and then we'll get people through the cycle. And, and we found some really good candidates through that. Okay. That's awesome. I just wanted you to be able to elaborate. I don't think we've talked about using interns before on the show. So I uh, wanted you to be able to speak to that. Well, speak to you also your uh, meeting cadence. You know, how do you handle meetings? What does a meeting look like? How often, you know, as in the leadership position you're in, what does that look like? So we've played with a few different times for having meetings. I think we do a weekly deal review meeting on Wednesdays. So we go through all the deals in the tracker and where they're on the stages. And then anyone that we're prepping for LOI, we're fully ready to fire those off every week. So we have those standing Wednesday meetings. We also have uh, daily check-in meetings or brief. They're like 15 minutes to make sure the team's on task and has their objectives. I'm also big on like the evening before each night, just being like, hey, to recap, here's what we're going to do for the next day. I also have people send a report at the end of the day, email just real quick. These are the things I'm working on. This is what's in progress. And this is where what I'm going to do next day. So if there's any correction or high priorities we need to tweak, I like doing that live so that people have that. You can do that on Asana too, or Slack. I just find that the email for me is like, I can do that on my phone real quick and send that back and say, great, awesome. Thanks so much for the update. Here are the two other things I want you to work on tomorrow. Or, Hey, can you move that priority down and push this one up? It's ever evolving. Cause if you get something into your pipeline that you is urgent, you need to kind of put everything else on hold and move that one priority up. So it keeps the, the team really on board for that. Any one-on-ones like you and... Yeah. So I typically do a one-on-one. Those are the daily check-ins. I, I try to do a one-on-one with my analyst and one-on-one with my EA just at some point during the day. Usually it's mid-morning um, or earlier if I can, depending on the availability. Because I think the earlier you can touch base with your team and say, hey, like this is what we're working on today, the better. Try to keep those to 15 minutes one-on-ones. And then monthly, half an hour, to 45 minutes are the like review for the month. Um, and those are one-on-ones as well. What do you find consumes most of your time now? You know, as your team's growing, as you're, you know, handing, delegating, right? Teaching people, you know, you're kind of grooming your staff and growing them. What does your day consist of mostly now? You know, I wish... At this point, because we're in a growth, it's not as if I think acquiring the team has actually made my day even more full <laughs> in some ways, because you're still doing your workload on top of having other people helping you. You're also, you know, checking in on their work. I think quick touchbacks are my biggest thing is like, Hey, if you get stuck, like just give me a, a report 
update and like, let me know where you're at. So those, I, I try to be very responsive on that for Slack. So what ends up taking up most of my days, I'm talking to capital, I'm talking to brokers and I'm reviewing our deals that we have in the pipeline. Um, because I think those are the three biggest metrics for getting our goals hit for the year. Additionally, I'll, I'll have interviews like this and then checking in with team. And the nice thing about technology is that you can do that from anywhere. And so you can keep your, your team going wherever you're at. But those are the things that primarily take the time during the day. Now, I love how you said, obviously talking with capital brokers, reviewing deals in the pipeline, checking with your team. I mean, it's like, you know, okay, these will say four things there. I know there's many things that come up, but it's like, you know, these are the things that move the needle, right? You know, for you as the probably visionary or, or leader, you know, like you're, you know, these are the things I need to be focused on. And how do you see, do you see that changing anytime in the near future or, you know, as your team grows? I think the next step would be to say, Hey, if I can get someone on board who is with us for the long haul on the acquisition side and taking more ownership over the full life cycle of, of a deal, that would be huge. That would be the, the next thing because that's really still something I'm very much owning end to end. And that would be probably the next thing. And then after that, it would be an asset manager. At this point, it's very doable for us to have that under our umbrella, but having a designated person would be additionally kind of the next two hires that I would be, be looking at. But, you know, I am, um, I think, it's spoken with so many small business owners who have either like they do incremental hires or they go full team and then they then they charge forward. I've had mixed reviews on both sides and I'm really trying to still determine which one's best for me. The biggest thing that I've heard from people who expand first out and then go forward, especially in the last couple of years, is that sustaining enough income to support your entire staff has been really tough with the pandemic. So a lot of firms that I've spoken with, they've had some you know, they did rapid growth and they had to go way back down. If you structure it in a partnership model, um, there's pros and cons to that too, especially as you get bigger because the share of the equity stakes get smaller and smaller. And as you bring new team members on, you may not be able to do the same compensation package that you did at the beginning. I would think about that too. Additionally, you know, incentive alignment, um, you want to make sure is clear for everybody and that they're in it for more than just a short period of time. So yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to structure it and then just got to figure out what works for you. I've found that building as we go and getting people on is really helpful um, with clear objectives for each person and, and say, hey, this is where we need to jump into the next thing. And getting a hire before it probably makes financial sense <laughs> is something that I've also learned is that, you know, when you're growing a company, probably going to be right below, you know, like riding that line of profitability and not profitability during this scaling, which is hard for me as someone who wants everything to be in the black. We have to make hires probably before um, we're really consistent on um, our cash flow. How can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Anyone who wants to reach out, I'm always, I love meeting new people and we love welcoming more people into our, into our fold. Uh, so graywellcapital.com is a great way to connect. Um, and Graywell is spelled with an E. And then also I'm somewhat active on Twitter, trying to get more active, but it's Alexandra Seymour on Twitter. So either one of those are great. If you DM me on Twitter, I usually am fairly responsive. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.